It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, I'm Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Bernard Berrien, former Viking, former Chicago Bear. Uh, he's going to join us on the Hanging Ron Johnson segment, so you're not going to want to miss that. But there's some Vikings players that people now are saying are under the radar, undervalued, uh, underestimated. Uh, the best kept secret? Which Viking is the best kept secret according to some media outlets? We'll talk about that next, coming up on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, good people. It's a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday morning. I'm Ron Johnson. Sam Metro, my producer, is going to be joining us a little bit later in the show. But I just want you guys to know, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started today. Well, on today's show, we got to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Their OTAs have started. Um, There's some best-kept secrets on this team. Uh, and And who... Who is it? Who is Bleacher Report had a report saying that there's a player that they think is, is the best kept secret. And uh, I, I agree to an extent, but I have a player that I think a lot of people are forgetting about that could become not only the best kept secret, but eventually the best player option on that field at times. And he's shown it. Um, but also, Amazon Fire and Roku, people, you can download the app. Just go to Amazon Fire or your Roku device. Search Locked On Sports Minnesota. It'll pop up. Our app pops up right there in your TV. And you can watch all of our shows and content. So as I bring Sam Exterman to the show. Sam, how you doing, man? How you doing? And I guess hey, I, I guess not I, as good as you. It's your birthday. Well, Happy I birthday. I hit the lead today. It is my birthday. I'm 43 years old, May 23rd. Uh, my mom called me, so I told her I have to call her after the show. Uh, but my mom called me this morning. I talked to Spice Spice Adams, FaceTime me early this morning uh, at 7.15. I guess when you have kids, people just assume you're up with your kids, which he's right. Uh, I will still have tired dropping the kids off at school, uh, but FaceTimed a little bit with Spice Adams. Uh, and it was it was just like we grew up, like, you know, guys don't say a ton to each other. We just kind of settle FaceTime as he's driving his kids to work. I got my thing up there. I'm not even really looking because I'm driving. So we're just talking. And then, you know, when I dropped the kids off, I sat there. We talked for a little bit, got home, talked to them for a little bit more uh, and got the day started. So, you know, Spice Adams is uh, my best friend, one of my best friends. And so he always makes sure to call. So I got to I make sure I will say this. He. He does a lot better job of the friendship stuff than I do sometimes. So I got to make sure I call him and FaceTime him on his birthday. Um, but he he is the guy. He's one of the first guys to always call, text, email. Uh, like that's what Spice House is about. But yeah, it's my birthday, Sam. I'm 43. Um, feeling old this morning because I played basketball yesterday. I fell and hurt my hip. I was playing with actually Kevin Warren's son. Uh, Kevin Warren's <laughs> oh, son. Powers. Uh, Powers. Yeah. Yeah. He was He played with us yesterday against us, actually. We beat them. Uh, I, I tried to play. I've played with him a couple of times, but you know, just it's luck of the draw how you walk into the gym. And so, yeah, I fell, hurt my hip. 
So I feel like an old person right now. I feel like I need a new hip. Uh, but I'm getting a massage today, so I'm looking forward to that. A birthday massage. My wife set it up for me, so uh, that should be fun. And uh, then I'm going to just do a little work. I might go out to Vikings uh, OTAs today maybe for a little bit. I just got a text from my coach, Joker Phillips, who was the same coach of uh, Thayer Thomas, Vikings wide receiver. And so he asked me, had I met Thayer not yet? And I'm like, nope, I might try to go out to practice today, though, and meet him. Uh, but again, I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. So we're going to jump into the show, Sam. The Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report has a story saying Brian Asamoah. So pay the lead off, pay the, pay the tease off. Brian Asamoah is the Vikings' best kept secret. Now they allude to his speed, uh, his, his multiplicity of position, meaning he can play outside or inside linebacker. Uh, he can cover running backs and tight ends. He's fast enough to carry. And, and for people to understand, carrying a tight end down the seam uh, in four verticals or three verticals, normally the tight end is basically like your Travis Kelsey's, your Zach Ertz. They're trying to stretch the field down the middle because the safeties have vacated. But when the safeties vacate, and we've seen, uh, was it Warner? I think Fred Warner for the 49ers did that, and he carried C.D. Lamb. And everybody was like, oh, my God, how did Fred Warner cover C.D. Lamb, you know, 30 yards down the field up the scene? Like, there's there that that's magical. Well, Brian Osamoa can do that. Brian Osamoa can cover C.D. Lamb. 30 yards down the field up the seam because once you head up the seam the route is just a seam like there's not any tricky stuff to it unless you like you don't have time so it's really just a go route and so I think Brian Asamoah when you think about being able to carry maybe a slot receiver up the seam uh if the if the safeties both have to vacate I understand that but here's where I go with it I think Cam Bynum remember that name people Cam Bynum play cornerback for Cal for his entire college career, got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings, and Mike Zimmer asked him right away, are you willing to play safety? Of course I am. I want to be drafted. I want to be in the NFL. Of course. He goes to safety. And then all of a sudden, uh, they're trying to figure out where where should we put this kid? Where should he be? Uh, Lewis Seen, you know, when you think about Lewis Seen being drafted as a potential guy to play opposite Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum just did not give up the position. Cam Bynum did enough to say, like, I'm the guy. Like, this is my position. And so that's why Lewis Seen kind of was held back. Cam Bynum was so good, their first-round pick couldn't ups- uh, uh, unseat him uh, out of his position. And so mm-hmm. Cam Bynum playing cornerback, playing safety now in the NFL, he's going to give you position flexibility that if you have to go, because we know Brian Flores likes to go man coverage, sometimes zero, maybe maybe just one high, single high with Harrison Smith roaming the field like Hawkeye from the Avengers. Um, <clears throat> and for those that don't know, Hawkeye's the one with the bow and arrow. So he just sits on top of a perch and just picks people off. That's Harrison Smith to me. But when you think about that with Cam Bynum being able to drop down in the box and cover the tight end, cover the running back, maybe cover the slot receiver because he played cornerback his entire life, um, you don't just lose that ability. Like if you're a college starting cornerback, you don't lose it. You still have it. He just had the ability, the tackling ability, and the vision and the smarts to play safety. And so that's why I think Cam Bynum is the best kept secret. I think Cam Bynum, if you unleash him and let him be a part of this and, and blitz and, and do the Harrison Smith stuff every once in a while, as Harrison Smith gets older in age and Harrison Smith maybe needs to sit back more and, and, and play more single high, um, I think Cam Bynum is the best kept secret on this team. I think he can be really a really uh, big part of this defense uh, that really helps make it a well-rounded scheme for Brian Flores to be able to say, oh, I didn't know my safety can come down and cover. Man, here's what I want to do with this. I can I can give you a too high look. 
But Cam, we're going to switch to single high, and you're going to come down, and you're going to cover the tight end. You're going to come down and cover the slot receiver even because you're fast enough. You've done this in college. Like, like you can do it. And, and when a coach has faith in a player and gives them that ability to say, look, this is what we're going to do. Like, look at Justin Jefferson. They came in and said, look, you're going to catch every ball the Cooper Cup caught. You're going to run every route the Cooper Cup ran. Justin Jefferson was unlocked. He 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 went to a whole nother echelon. That's also why Adam Thielen left, because he saw the love they were giving Justin Jefferson. And Adam Thielen's like, look, I can run the Cooper Cup routes. Why, why am I not getting this opportunity? So he goes off to the Carolina Panthers. But I think faith in a player, and I think that's what Brian Flores is going to do for Cam Bynum, I think he is the best-kept secret. I don't know, Sam. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I think that Bynum thrived his rookie year, remember, yeah. in the Mike Zimmer defense when he got a chance to play. And I think this Brian Flores scheme is a little more similar to Zimmer's than it was mm-hmm. to Donatel's. And I think I think yeah. Bynum, now after getting a year under his belt last year, he's got he's got enough reps now where I think he could really take the leap. So he right. could definitely be the guy. And there's actually a lot of candidates, Ron, for this best-kept secret. It could be Evans. You know, it could be Asamoah. It could be someone like uh, Kyrus Tonga, who's kind of a, a fun surprise last year at nose tackle. Could be Andrew Booth Jr., it's a young mm-hmm. defense, and there's a lot of guys that could step into bigger roles. But Cam Bynum, going into his third year, this could be a big moment for him. And, hey, maybe it's seen. Maybe they find a way to include seen um, as a third safety on the field, too. There's just a lot of fun young pieces that are eligible, I think, to be the underrated uh, guy that steps up. Yeah, you know, and another guy on there, you know, a Caleb Evans. I, I think at 6'4", you know, his frame, his speed, his ability, he showed really high-level play before he got a concussion and got hurt. Um, I, I think he's another one. Like, they, they have, you, you're right. They do have a lot of pieces. We, we, we talked about defensively. Offensively, like if I had to pick an offensive weapon right now, and I'm saying underrated, under like under the radar, not talked about as much, I think K.J. Osborne. I think K.J. Osborne is a really – could be a really – big piece of this offense like Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson by name by name are going to get the coverage Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson by name now Justin Jefferson by resume as well but by name when you draft a guy like Jordan Addison in the first round teams are going to have to pay attention to him I think KJ Osborne and that's why I think the Vikings aren't blowing it up like why would you give away some of the things you want to do offensively like why would you get in front of the media and say oh, man, we're going to really use K.J. Osborne as well. Like, I love it. Like, why? Watch Justin Jefferson. Worry about our new rookie, Jordan Addison. Worry about T.J. Hawkinson. Because K.J. Osborne is secretly going to cut you. Like a Ginsu. You're not even going to know you were cut. Like, you've seen those 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 those, those, those karate movies. You've mm-hmm. seen that when they hit them with the knife, you know, and then it takes a while for their, their arm to slide off or something or their neck to, you know, to depart from their head to depart from their neck. Uh, those kung fu movies and they hit them with the ginsu knives and it's real quick and then all of a sudden before you know it you're headless and you're still alive because your nerves are still touching but they're separated and it's just going to be an amount of time before your head falls off now i know that's in a movie but i have heard of that like people getting shot and still like feeling like they're alive and they're actually dead and they haven't actually hit the ground so i think kj osborne is that like it's like a swift slice like you're not going to know it happened and all of a sudden you look up and KJ Osborne has, you know, seven catches, 110 yards and a touchdown. And you're like, man, when did this happen? Like, how did he get us? Because we were watching Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and, and, and uh, TJ Hawkinson. We were we forgot about KJ Osborne. And that's why I think he's another like offensive 
piece. If I had to pick an offensive guy, I'm going to go KJ Osborne. Defensively, I'm going to go Cam Bynum. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Sam, before we jump over to Bernard Barrian? Yeah, one one level deeper even, someone even more off the radar, Ty Chandler. I think mm. Ty Chandler could be your candidate to be your number two running back and kind of a rotation with Alexander Madison. And he he's never done anything on offense, right? So, like, right. he has not been unleashed whatsoever. Nobody's expecting Ty Chandler. If you're, you're opponent, you you like the Ty Chandler though, because I you you pushed yeah. that last year. Like you've you've yeah. been a Ty Chandler fan uh, from the start of this when they drafted him. That was one of the, the picks mm-hmm. you were happy to see they drafted. You were excited to see what he could possibly do on this team. Uh, now that it seems like more than not, Dalvin Cook. I mean, again, it's all about what's out there in the marketplace for Dalvin Cook. Uh, if if there's nothing out there like his agent, because his agents even pushed it on 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 podcast. There's nothing out there where they feel like okay, this is the place for us then maybe the Minnesota Vikings is the place because you know the team, you know the system, you know what you're going to get out of it, and you you know how much usage you're going to get. You know they're willing to like go one, two series with you and Alexander Madison, getting you all the way healthy. Like Dalvin Cook was healthy the entire season. Like think about that. That was the that was burying the lead. Dalvin Cook made it the entire season. He didn't miss a game or two or four or six. He made the entire season. Why? Because they had him on a pitch count. Like it didn't matter. Was, was he healthy? Was he was he healthy though, Ron? He played every game, but he was played he played every game. But but look, in, in football, you play hurt. Like when we walked into training camp, that's the one thing Brian Billick told us right away. You're going to be hurt. Are you hurt? Or are you injured? When you're hurt, mm-hmm. it's na- like right now I'm hurt. It's nagging. I got some sore bones, my hips. Fell on your hip yesterday. Yeah, I'm I'm like sore, but I'm not injured. Like I can go out there and still put up 20 today if I wanted to. Um uh, no, probably not my hips hurt. I probably put up 10. Um, but I'm not hurt. I'm not injured. I'm hurt. And that's the difference. It's like when you're injured, that means broken bones. That means surgery. That means you're done. Pulled hamstring. You're done. You're done for a while. Injured is what everybody is because everybody's beat up. That's why there's a cold tub, hot tub, so on and so forth. So I, I just truly believe that he was he probably was hurt, but he wasn't injured. And that's the key. We've seen Dalvin Cook injured where he's left the building. And he's done for the season or he's left the building for four weeks and we have to wait to come back in October because he's missing all of September uh, or he has to come back in November because he's missing all of October. Like we've we've seen that Dalvin Cook that's just bang, bang, bang. And then only when Dalvin Cook's tired, Alexander Maddox comes in. The Vikings had a plan. Look, Dalvin, you're going to get two series. Alexander Madison, you're going to get one. Then Dalvin, you're going to get one. Then Alexander, you're going to get two. Then Dalvin, you're going to get two. And, and boom, and it just kept going. And it didn't matter what point in the game it was. And I, I also I also believe the fact that they did use Alexander Madison, no matter what the situation was, I believe that's the other reason for them feeling like, you know what? If we have to move on without Dalvin, we can do it because we've done it in games where Alexander Madison was the guy in a big moment. But at the end of the day, Dalvin Cook is a weapon that nobody else has. Uh, he's very unique. Uh, he's very explosive. Uh, him in the open field is scary for every team. I mean, look at the, the Indianapolis Colts game. Look at the Giants game. Dalvin Cook in the open field is scary. So, um, but yeah, no, I could I could see Ty Chandler jumping into that role, being an explosive weapon uh, if they have to move on from Dalvin Cook, save some money or get some draft picks. So it is what it is. The game of football, that's what happens. Uh, it's a business. It's a business at the end of the day. Look at LeBron. LeBron's talking about possibly retiring, maybe getting, can I get Kyrie? Uh, Tristan Thompson played last night. It's just LeBron and friends. Like That's what the Lakers have become. LeBron, and who else can we bring in to play with you? Uh, can we get you for one more year with Kyrie, and then maybe Bronny's going to come out of USC after a year? And then we'll promise you we'll pick up we'll pick up Bronny. If nobody drafts him, we'll pick up Bronny. Like, 
who knows what. But the fact that the Lakers as a seven seed made it to the Western Conference Finals, that's special. So they can't deny that. But again, it's a business. Sports is a business, and that's where the Minnesota Vikings are. It's a business. Business move. Speaking of business, on to the next. We got to get Bernard Barron in here. Bernard Barron and I were teammates with the Bears. Uh, then Bernard ended up going to the Minnesota Vikings. So when I came back uh, to Minnesota, uh, I still knew Bernard. So him and I, you know, hung out a little bit. Um, and, and then over the years, we've just stayed friends. Like, you know, when I would post stuff about Gophers about to play Fresno State, Bernard would jump into my my DMs and, 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 and put down the gauntlet like Fresno were going to win this. Thank God Antoine Winfield was a great player because they did not. Um, but Bernard Barron has been a good friend of mine, and he's going to join us next on the Ron Johnson Show. Before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors. We are brought to you today by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make a fast break to FanDuel during these NBA playoffs. We had one sweep last night. Do we have another tonight? The Heat are favored by one and a half in game four. Is Jimmy Buckets going to close out the Celtics and set up a Nuggets Heat Finals? Can't wait to watch that. Heat are minus 120 on the money line. You can bet that line and so many more at FanDuel. It's NHL. It's MLB. There's great promotions at FanDuel, including the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, or the bet five, get 150. Ron Johnson's tried that out as well. It is an easy-to-use, very safe and secure FanDuel Sportsbook app, and you get paid instantly when you win. There's no better place to bet the playoffs then at FanDuel Sportsbook, again, the no-sweat-first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. On your laptop or desktop, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You can use your mobile device as well. It's FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Well, now it's time for the Hanging Around Johnson segment. Of course, I always love uh, when I can connect with guys that I play with. Uh, sometimes, you know, we have athletes on that I have no connection to, uh, still have a lot of fun, but then guys that I actually have stories with, we played together in the same meeting rooms together. Uh, I, I love to get those guys on in today's, uh, athlete, uh, dancer. We'll talk about that a little bit. Bernard Barry and B twice as they call them, uh, play for the bears, play for the Minnesota Vikings for those Minnesota fans. that remember them. NFC North fans that remember them. Cause he terrorized you guys, no matter what color uniform you wore. Uh, and I want to thank Bernard for joining me on the Ron Johnson show. Bernard, man, appreciate you for joining me. Uh, first off, man, I want to talk about Daryl Drake, man. Like I had him for a short amount of time. I kind of went from receiver to tight end, but I did have Daryl Drake and he was a great dude to just talk to. He was, he was like, even though he was old, he was young. You know what I mean? Like he was like old school, young, where he wanted to be cool and hang out with the guys and know all the drama. 
but newest stuff, man. Like he was really good with, uh, you know, footwork and just positioning and where you should be. He was one of the reasons why I took to tight end so well, because he helped me understand coverage and, and blitz protection, playing in the slot. Uh, so, you know, Daryl Drake, man, and he passed away. For those that don't know, he was a receivers coach for the Chicago Bears. But Daryl Drake, man, what did he mean to you? Uh, first off, for the, just for, to, to start off, thanks for appreciate you for having me on the show. I appreciate that uh, very, very, very much. And uh, can't wait to get started and, and do some things out there. But Drake was a great coach, uh, great person, like you said, great dude, great guy. Like you said, he was one of the older coaches out there, but he was like a young guy. He was just like one of us out there. I learned a lot from from Drake. He was my first receiver coach in the league. Um, he taught me a lot of patience, you know, to to kind of slow down a little bit because he always told me, Bernard, uh, you learn some of these some of these nuances, you're going to be unstoppable. No one can guard you, you know, ten feet playing playing off coverage or anything like that. You take care of some of these nuances, and you'll be unguardable. And you'll be you'll really be a force to reckon with. Like I said, um, he was he was a very smart coach. Um, he gave us the freedom and the range to be ourselves out there in the meeting rooms and the practice field, uh, wherever we were, as long as we came to work and we showcased uh, what we could do out there. Um, I liked how he kept the room together. He kept the room light, but also like de- commanded and demanded our, our, our full attention at the same time as well. So it's, it was it was a sad day, sad day to hear that uh, when he passed and um, the reasons why he passed uh Nothing, nothing too devastating or anything like that, but you know, just just gone too soon. And is a man that was definitely heavily missed and always be remembered for for me for sure. Yeah, man, and you 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 did something that a lot of guys don't get to do, man. You you played in over a hundred games. Uh, you amassed over four thousand receiving yards, over two hundred catches in the NFL. Uh, a lot of big time deep ball touchdowns. But being a Chicago Bear. You got a chance to play against the Minnesota Vikings eight times. And when, and when you think about playing against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, you had a four and four record against them. Uh, you, you know, you had 20 catches against them, 211 yards and a touchdown. What was it about the Vikings, man, that only allowed you to have one touchdown? Because that's a crazy stat for a guy like yourself that took the top off of most defenses in the NFL. And the Vikings found a way to hold you to one touchdown. They were they were pretty smart. Uh, they had a guy by the name of Adrian Peterson. Oh yeah, <laughs> they used to run the ball, take a lot of clock off the top. I remember being back there. It was so funny. I used to tell uh, Ad this this uh, this story actually when I first got into Minnesota, because when uh, Ad was a rookie, I used to check him out and watch him out at Oklahoma running. I was like, man, this dude's a beast. But I still wasn't really quite sure yet. I was like, man, this dude's running over everybody's running through everybody's getting in the end zone. He's never getting caught. He runs through contact. He 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 wrote he lives for contact there's one dude i've never seen that will not he's not gonna shy away from contact at all and um i used to kind of like not really not want to say doubt him but i didn't think he was going to be that guy that we saw that when we got to the league and then finally when we played chicago and he hit that but it was i think it was like 286 yards against us in shoulder field and i was like yeah he made me a believer that day and i was like yeah this man is real <laughs> and then finally when i got to minnesota and started practicing with it. And I, I remember we we're going through just a walkthrough, simple walkthrough. It's not even like a, you know, sometimes a walkthrough is actually like half speed. Sometimes you're jogging through. This was straight walkthrough. Like people are actually like, you can be in sandals in this walkthrough. And <laughs> he, I found out why they call him all day. AD was full speed. And I was like, Eddie, you don't want to slow down? He's like, no, nah, nah, bro, this is me. And I was like, I see why you are the way you are. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just reason like that. 
the the defense was great during my time in Chicago. Like that was one of the reasons why I uh, considered moving over to Minnesota because mm-hmm. they already had a stellar defense. Defense was great. Pat Williams, Kevin Williams in there dominating on that defensive line, and then everybody else around there, EJ and uh, all the rest of the guys up there. It made it hard, really hard, to try to get deep balls off because it was mm-hmm. hard to get five step, seven step passes off against that line because they were really pressuring guys and. Yeah. and what was they were they were top two three defense for like a good five year run in that five, good five year span. So I mean it was really hard to try to get touchdowns off of them. But when we did and when I could, you know I def- definitely cherished it. But you picked the Minnesota Vikings in two thousand eight, and you did something that I know you were happy about. You scored two touchdowns in your first year with the Vikings, both games against the Chicago Bears. Uh, you, you scored, and you also put up hundred and twenty two yards on four catches against the Bears. Like how how happy were you at that? You know, like going back to Chicago, but then also the Chicago Bears having to travel to Minnesota, and you four catches, hundred and twenty two yards in a touchdown against your Chicago Bears. Uh, what did that feel like? I mean, it's always it always feels great. You always want to you know leave a message out there. You always want to give it out, <laughs> but give your best effort and leave your best effort, especially when it's a team that you know gave you your first chance. Yeah, and then. You know, I want. I didn't want to leave Chicago. I really wanted to stay. It was one of those situations. But, you know, it, it didn't work out that way, so I left. So I wanted to make sure, you know, that I made the right decision and that you guys felt the pressure, you know, of of, of not retaining me and, and not having me stay there. Yeah, and, and again, pressure is what you put on a lot of safeties, a lot of DBs. And I, and I heard you say uh, Daryl Drake taught you to slow down because I know – uh, when I was coaching with the coach for two years and then also being a player, I mean, you know, as a receiver, they always teach the fast guys. Uh, you don't have to do everything at full speed uh, with the guy with your speed. How hard was that to kind of learn how to slow down and run comebacks, run dig routes, and knowing this guy's already scared of my speed. I don't have to run it at 100 miles an hour. I can dial it back to 60 and still and still put pressure on him and eat that cushion up and then break it off. Uh, you know, at, at what point did you really kind of learn that and take to it? I would say it was probably about my second year in the league, really adjusting to not having to 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 run, given the illusion of speed. You, we talk about it in college, but I never really had a receiver. I had Henry Illard for like half a season, mm-hmm. and then he left and went to to St. Louis Rams. So I never really had a real receivers coach until I got to the to, to the league. So I was still kind of raw, and um, just was really using talent to 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 make it and survive. So Drake, you know, used to always try to tell me, you know, slow down so that when you're when you are coming out, not necessarily slow down, but make sure you're giving out the, the illusion of speed so that when you do get into your break, it is so much easier for you to come out because you got long, really, really long legs. My, my legs are longer than my upper torso. <laughs> so <laughs> getting them wheels to stop a little bit sometimes and getting the restart back again was a little bit for was was one of my problems. So just being able to to give that illusion of speed and slow down when I didn't and, and make it seem like I'm still moving full speed was one of the things he taught me. I remember Peanut used to always say, he used to always uh, tell me, he's like, I know when you're going deep. He said, when you're going deep, you come off a little slow. That's when you're going deep. And I, I, I was like, okay. So now, you know, just to, just little things like that and, and working out and, and, and playing and, and then making adjustments. So I, I think that's one of the big, hugest parts, the, the, the most detrimental thing of, of being in the league is you got to be able to make adjustments. You can't just be able to uh, play your game one way and, and tailor it like that. You you get there and, and and maintain by doing what you by doing what you do for sure. 
and you elevate that, try to elevate that, but you also maintain by by trying to elevate the rest of the game and the, the other parts and other facets of your game as well. Yeah, and then again, a guy like Peanut, like I said, we I was there. I remember the jokes uh, of Olin Krutz and some of the guys. Like I remember Lovey Smith uh, praising Peanut or something uh, as, bar, as far as being one of the best, which he ended up being becoming one of the best. But I remember he praised him a little sooner than Olin Krutz and some of the all the All Pros were, were happy with. Like, wait, I didn't see him at the All Pro uh, letter, you know, whatever. Yeah, I didn't see his name on the All Pro list. What are you talking about, Lovey? And uh, uh, but Peanut Tillman, man, practice against him had to have made you better and then you got a chance to actually play against him so you know what was that like going against peanut as a teammate and then as an opponent so going against uh peanut as a teammate you hate playing against teammates <laughs> peanut is that is, is he's that guy uh i broke two i'm not broke but i dislocated two fingers practicing against uh peanut because he's he's physical he's going to be yeah. around he's going to be always racking at the ball he's he peanut punch for 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 a reason like he's always around the ball and he's always a nuisance. He is that gnat. He is that gnat that you can't hit and is swatting around, but it's always buzzing around your face. But that's why he was able to uh, have the career, the type of career he was able to have, is he practiced that way and he played. And it made me better because uh, I knew now, like, you can't be light with the ball. You got to be strong with the ball. Make sure you take care of it. Make sure it's put away because it's going to come out if he's anywhere around. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and Peanut, I mean, again, he's a guy that I remember in practice, um, and I learned early, one, because I was trying to make the team, but he would, like, guys would be jogging, thinking the play's over because it's just seven on seven. And Peanut would run up behind them, waiting for them to relax, punch the ball out, defense acts like it's a live ball, they're running back on seven on seven. It was the most annoying, frustrating thing I've ever seen uh but you're right like it made him who he is i mean it's a it's a thing now the nfl every db that punches the ball they call it the peanut punch now so you know just like randy moss getting moss you know the peanut punch is a part of nfl history and you've played with a guy that's a part of nfl history and and devin hester the nfl today is going to try there's a trial run for one year kick returns now can be fair caught anywhere and they can move the ball up to the 25 yard line so if you fair catch the ball anywhere on the field on a kickoff, you can now advance the ball to the 25-yard line. Do you think that this is going to last past a year? And do you think that, that guys like Devin Hester and Cordero Patterson are going to get, you know, those guys are now going to have to find a place in the league? Because without kick return, I don't know if Devin, Devin Hester actually gets a true shot in the NFL. And, and so yeah. now you're taking it away from guys like that who they're yeah. – life is about kick returns and now you're saying look let's just put a receiver back there that can catch how fair catch it because those are easy on kickoffs and let's get the ball to the 25 like what do you think about the nfl trying that for one year pat mcafee by the way said this is garbage he hates it uh because of course he's a special teams guy so he's trying to fight for more special teams of course. Yeah. um but yeah they're they're uh, you know it's it's been mixed messages it just got approved i guess today because adam Schefter tweeted it but what are your thoughts on that yeah uh that's new actually that's new news to me um i'm hearing that for the first time it is kind of shocking um it takes away from the game like yeah. you have a game for a re- for a reason i understand you know implementing some newer rules or whatever for player safety and stuff like that but now we're we're starting to take parts of the, of the game uh, out like completely out yeah. i don't i don't like that um it's 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 too too different I guess it would, it would be it's not football it's starting to become not football anymore but um as far as is you know lowering the chances of people have of trying of making it 
um, it's that's a huge part of the game because I know for me, I know for me coming out, um, being a returner just elevated my chances of getting drafted. Right. And having that and, and just having those skills. And and when you have players, when you take that part of the game out and just, you know, you can just supplement a player back, any old person back there, just, to, you know, fair catch the ball so we can just start at the 25-yard line. You're taking away, you know, you're just lowering the chances of people being able to make it. And and it's it's harder for, for kids that are younger to, ha- to try to have goals to get there because now they got to try to concentrate, make sure they, you know, we always try to tell kids, you know, be football players. Mm-hmm. You know, NFL loves football players. They, they love people that can do more than one thing, put them in more positions. Well, now they're starting to limit that thing where you can't be able to actually be used for more than one position. True. So it's, I don't I don't I don't really like it. Like Pat says, I don't really like it. It's taken away from the game. They've already done enough stuff with special teams already, I feel like, to try to lessen uh, the injuries, you know, concussions and stuff like that and try to change the game up as much as they can. You know, I was playing when they when they did what they did to, to, De- to Devin. Yeah, with kickoffs and, and, and stuff. So, I thought that was a huge change, and I, I didn't really like that change. So, just I mean, it's the game's always evolving, and we're gonna have to probably try to get used. To, but this one, I hope, is a rule that doesn't last. I actually don't. Yeah, and and again, you play with Devin Hester. So when they did, when they moved the ball up, which allowed kickers to now boot the thing out the out the end zone, uh, what was Devin Hester's reaction? Because that's you know, because I've seen him. I saw Chris McAllister do this. Ed Reed did this. Like those guys were putting their toes on the back line, still trying to catch it and run it out. So, like, what was Devin Hester's like reaction to that? That's 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 how you know you really affected the game when they're doing stuff to try to to limit you or limit what or how or, or how you perceive the game, I guess. But um, yeah, people would line up you know, toes as far as back as they can because they're dangerous with the ball, and these new rules kind of hinder you from from doing what it is that you do and yeah. showcasing your talent. And, and especially when your talent is that you come in as a returner and that's what they're doing. And then they take that away from you. It just makes the game harder. And it makes, I don't it kind of ruined, it ruins the game. I don't want to say kind of, it does ruin the game for me. And when you look at the NFC North now, uh, cause this has been all over the news and he's a Cali boy, just like you, your boy, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he held the Packers and the Jets and the NFL and the world hostage by trying to make his decision. But he left the NFC North. And it's one of those things like when Brett Favre left. You know, you just don't see this guy leaving and being in a different jersey. But Aaron Rodgers did it as well. Tom Brady left the Patriots, goes to the Bucks. You know, doesn't look right, but does it, wins the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning leaves the Colts, goes to the Broncos. Uh, Aaron Rodgers leaving, though. Do you think that the NFC North now is more wide open than it was before, or do you have a favorite right now, whether it's the Lions, Bears, or the Vikings, uh, to win the NFC North? Um, actually, I don't. I don't think it changed. It, it, I mean, it definitely changes the outlook. But last year for for Green Bay, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't think they was gonna. They were gonna do anything anyway. The, the mm-hmm. year before, they. I think they made it to the play. I think they did make it to the playoffs the year before, but. Minnesota was still kind of Minnesota was still hanging around. Uh, I feel like Minnesota has been the new kind of lead in the NFC North for a while for the last couple of years now. Yep. And I feel like next year is going to be the same thing. Detroit looks pretty good. They actually look pretty good. Um, this last season, Detroit was kind of like how Minnesota was, you know, they uh, the, the last couple of, I want to say like two, three years ago. Um, didn't have a winning season, but uh, every pretty much every loss was what within touchdown 10 points yeah. or something like that all close games so 
either way, one of those that season could have went either way, really, for them. It could have been a a 10-plus team win, but it didn't turn out for them, just like Minnesota. And now Minnesota's got to that part where they're actually they're on the other side of it. They're winning games now. Now they just need to be able to sustain that and keep that momentum going. But I, I, I still see that from, from Minnesota. You know, Coach O'Connell's doing a great job over there with the team. Uh, they, they got pretty much the same weapons out there, so they're, they're only going to get better. Um, the defense, I think I, I do see the defense improving and, and, and getting better and, and, and coming together in, in solidarity. So, you know, it's only it's – only, I only see an upward path. I only see them trending upward in, in Minnesota right now, and I do definitely see them on top of the NFL, uh, NFC North. Chicago looks pretty good. They, they they did some good things in the draft and probably will do some good things during the summer, but they're still kind of young, so we're still kind of waiting to see. Justin Fields, great. He's a, he's, he's, he's a star. He's going to be a star, but they still got to put it together. And when you think about your career, again, I've watched some highlights of you in, in the deep ball. Like I saw the Minnesota Vikings when I think he threw it. He had to be in the end zone when he threw it. Uh, and you had, I don't know if it was 80, 90, whatever it was, it was a ridiculously deep, long touchdown. But who's some of the best long ball throwers that you've caught balls from? Ooh. <laughs> um, I would say one, well, obviously Rex, so that's where my career started. Okay. But uh, one that I caught was a great deep ball. Tavares was definitely a great, uh, a great okay. deep ball thrower. But uh, old-time, old-school quarterback, Jeff Blake. Yeah. Yep, Jeff Blake. Jeff, we used to be in Chicago. Jeff will let you know. He'll tell you real quick. Well, I'm the best deep ball thrower in Italy. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, used to love Jake, but Jeff, Jeff, uh, but he did though. He had a very, very pretty deep ball. It was. It it took off. It soared. Nice high. I like for me and how how my speed worked. I was. It's funny. People always say you're so fast. You're fast, fast. Like I was fast, but I really wasn't like the fastest guy. I wasn't like Tyreek Hill or out there or Deshaun Jackson out there. But if you were four two, for some reason I was gonna be four one nine. Right. <laughs> it's just like that. But um, but for me, you know, the farther down you throw the ball, the I'm picking up more speed. I have right. that track speed around the two hundred, around the four hundred. So I'm getting faster and faster as we go down. So that's why people will say, like, damn, he's so fast, because when the ball's in the air, I'm still gaining speed and I'm still accelerating to go get it. And uh, that was my talent. I've tracked the ball. I know exactly where it's going to be, where it's going to fall, so I can just turn on the burners and go get it. And yeah. uh, Jeff, Jeff's ball, he threw it high to where, you know, it'd go up. It'd come down and travel, and it, that nose, you see the pretty spiral, and then it start to come down, and it's coming down. It's just nice. It's a nice, soft ball. It's really, really, very, very easy to see. You're, you're in stride, so you don't have to worry about slowing down or anything like that to make the catch. It's just – it's it's just it's it's pretty as it's pretty as could be. David Carr was uh I tell everybody David Carr is probably the best thrower of the football I've ever been around. Yeah. I've been around a lot of quarterbacks, but I've been around like I I've been around Brett and I was at Brett towards the tail end of his career. So I, I you know I can't really say. But at the time I was like, man, with the quarterbacks I played with, I know I had some quarterbacks at the tail end of the career. I wish I would have had them in their prime, but I was like, David Carr sling the back, sling the rock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. David Carr, remember, you know, when he came out, I just think, you know, he went to the Texans, which was an upstart. They were a franchise, you know, whatever expansion team. And he just didn't get to a team that he could, you know, was in place. Like the Texans literally were starting from scratch. They gave him a bunch of picks, a bunch of free agents, uh, but it took them time to get going. And they're still trying. They're still trying to work it out and get going. Um, but two quick ones before we get out of here. Bernard Barian, I'm Ron Johnson. That's Bernard Barian. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. And again, remember, we're powered by FanDuel. Where you can make every moment more, just visit fanduel.com backslash locked on. I told you the lock, the lock was the nugget, and they 
did it faster than I thought. And then the lock also is the Heat. Come on now, people. The Heat are going to win this. Whether they win in five or four, it's the Heat. Those are your locks. But Bernard Barian, uh, I got another one for you, man. You were part of a Super Bowl. Again, that's something a lot of people can't say they've ever done. You played in the Super Bowl. And, I, and I've heard this story from Tony Dungy a bunch. Uh, talking about the kickoff because, of course, you know, they kicked it to Devin Hester. He returned the first kickoff. Uh, Tony Dungy's whole joke was all week. Uh, he had been saying, we're not going to kick to Devin Hester. We're not going to kick to Devin Hester. We're not going to kick to Devin Hester. And then uh, their chaplain gave a speech about like David and Goliath and not being scared and, da, da, and guys can give you the power. And Tony Dungy said he was empowered. He's like, man, screw this. Kick it to Devin Hester. They kick it to Devin Hester. He returns it for a touchdown. And then Tony Dungy looks at like, I forgot who he looked at. He said like a special teams coach maybe said, why are we kicking to Devin Hester? And I think Reggie Wayne kind of looked at him and said, you told us, you, to, told you, us. Told, you said it. <laughs> and so... He was playing from behind. But in that moment, you know, cameras, flashes, everything. I mean, it was picturesque. Did you guys just think, you know what? We're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, after Devin Hester returns a kickoff return, you're like, the Chicago Bears are going to be Super Bowl champions again. No, yeah, we definitely we definitely thought. We knew we had, we had you know, the rest of the game to play. But we definitely had our sights on, on championship for sure. I think the when it really – when it really uh, cemented and we thought we were going to win this game, I think is on, I want to say it was like the third, the third drive. Nobody had scored yet. We had, we had still had that touchdown and uh, Mm -hmm. they hadn't scored yet. They had the ball and we stopped them. And then we went down, I think we scored a field goal and then they got the ball on their third drive and we went down and got an interception. When that happened, that's when we were like, okay, this game is ours. And then going into the second half and Peyton Manning became Peyton Manning and turned it all (laughs) around. And turned it all around. But quick funny story, you about talking about uh Tony Dungy doing that. I remember being on Chicago when um uh we used to say we're in playing uh Minnesota, then getting two in and seeing uh Cluey kick it to mm-hmm. uh Devin and, and him taking it back twice in one game. And then I remember getting to Minnesota and it was like, uh, hey, why'd y'all kick it to Devin? Y'all, I know y'all knew like not to kick it to him. And then he was like, yeah, we were told in the meetings not to kick it to him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I had accidentally, I tried, I I was dying. Uh, I remember talking clearly about it. He was like, no, I was angling to kick it away from him, but it tailed back over to him. And Devin flew back over to go get that ball. Cause he, you know, Devin, Devin go, he going to touch that ball. He wasn't called right. anytime for no reason. Anytime he touches that ball, he is likely to go. So he went over there. He got it. We like, we start every time he touches the ball, like before, it's punt time. If it's third down in Chicago and Devin's out there, everybody gets up to the sidelines because we know what's about to happen. Something spectacular is about to happen. So we all getting up. They punt the ball. We know we know they're going to try to kick it away from him. He angles it. He gets it. And we're like, yes, he got the ball. And it's it's just – it's written. It's pretty much written in the stars. He's going to take it back for a touchdown. Just, Wait, so Chris Cluey was not supposed to kick it to Devin Hester, and he did he it by mistake twice. He wasn't supposed to. I got there, and I think that happened – it happened once. He wasn't supposed to again. And the same thing happened. He took it back. <laughs> he was like, this fool. <laughs> Cluey, stop. Stop. You're killing us right Just kick now. it out of bounds, man. Just kick, kick it out, out of bounds. Kick it out of bounds. <laughs> Get out of bounds. Oh man, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> last one for get out of here, man. You played with some some really, really big time talent from an offensive standpoint, defensive standpoint. You look at you know guys like uh Julius Pepper, Alex Brown, you know, like you said, you, you came to Minnesota, play with Adrian Peterson. Uh, but but what are some teammates or a teammate, man, that you look back and you can really like tell your grandkids, like, not only did you play with this guy, but this is why this guy was special. 
Shoo, whew. Man, uh, Brian Erlacher is one. Olin Krutz is one. Uh, Adrian Peterson is definitely one. Um, Devin is definitely one. And then uh, Percy Arvin yeah. is one. Like, <laughs> yeah, Percy people have really no, like, people don't really have any idea. Percy was something else. I've never yeah. seen. So the way Adrian ran, you know, Adrian's a, a bruiser. Right. Fast, he'll pull away from you, still run through you, run you over, and it's good. But it's kind of still choppy, still kind of stops, makes cuts or whatever, but it's still powerful and he's still gonna move you and still get going. Percy is is like Adrian in that sense, but there's no stopping when he cuts. Right. Everything is always moving forward. I it, it's 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 told it really, really, really is amazing. And what I was I was we were watching uh one-on-ones we we're doing one-on-ones one time and it's while uh moss is out there mm-hmm. and you know moss is he's at his older age and moss is another guy i got to see and moss is at he's at his he's at his he's, he's old now and he's still like four 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 three maybe four three easy legit and uh they just did one little one quick step moss is like watch this i'm gonna do something and i was just like damn killed him <laughs> told him he was gonna do it went out there did it and killed him just one little quick step, boom. Person was like, I got that, nothing. Went out there, did the same thing, but it was so like lightning fast. The quick, per, quick Percy's second and third step were already hitting the ground. He was already moving in another direction before the DV put his first foot down. It was like, bro, I it was it was really, yeah. really, truly amazing. Like his quickness and his his speed and, and then his power. Like people forget Percy was a, a running back coming out of high school. And yeah. He slimmed down when he got. He slimmed down a little bit. It was like a swing, all type alternative uh, weapon, kind of like Devin Hester, like a Devin Hester in, in college. But when he got to to the league, he slimmed down a little bit and just used more more so as a, as a as a receiver. But that man, that person was something else. Brian Urlacher, the first day I got out to um, uh, Chicago when I was a rookie. You know, I, you know, the first time you get to the league, you want to check out. You right. want to measure yourself up. And see, like, how do you fit? Where do you stack up at? And uh, well, I'm checking out everybody. I'm checking out the defense. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy. And I was like, mm, I don't know about this guy. And then I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm finally watching Brian and Lack. And I'm looking and I'm seeing how he, you know, how he changes the defense, how he affects the defense, how he actually affects passes coming over the middle. And I'm just like, okay, just first day on day one, I was like, all right, he he's legit. He's yeah. Legit, hands down. Olin the same way. The voice of the locker room, leader of the locker room, that everything went through Ola. That that he was the team pretty much. He's for sure the team leader. And it, it it was everything went through what he said. Adrian, again, another special player I've never seen. I said I kind of I like I said, I kind of had a little doubts coming out when he was uh in college. Like I knew he was gonna be the man, but I didn't know he was gonna be what he was. To me, he throughout his career, uh greatest running back for sure, easy hands down. I know there was always talks, you know, Chris Johnson. And Adrian had a little day. They, they had battles, and I was like, "Man, it's easily Adrian. There's, there's no way. Um, there's any. I haven't seen another running back better. Adrian's Adrian. If it wasn't for for some of the other other eight, uh, running backs in this game, in in Predis- Adrian's easily top ten. I, I would love to put him in in top five, but there's just been some great running backs in mm, this game. Easy, okay. easy, easy, top ten running back for sure. I think he was actually number. six six or seven on on my list when i started actually going through it 
and I, I left some people. I didn't even put ED on my list, so it's crazy. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. I started thinking about it. And I was like, Eric Dixon came afterward, and I was like, ooh, I might have to revise this list and start thinking about how many running backs because there's a lot of great running backs. There is, there is, there is. There's a lot. There's a lot. But I want to thank Bernard Barron for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Bernard Barron. Coming up next, we got the Daily Three. That's three questions. We're probably going to take a minute each today, myself and Sam, and we'll do that after a word from our sponsors. Well, man, it's always fun to catch up with friends like Bernard Barron. But now it's time to move on to the Daily Three. As I said, that's three questions. Probably going to take a lot of minute each today. Take it away, Sam. All right. Thursday night games, Ron. You've been on top of this topic. You've been been lobbying against it, saying – we shouldn't have extra Thursday night games. It's mm-hmm. bad for the players. It's bad for the league. Well, there's going to be more Thursday night games, or at least more flexed Thursday night games. Thursday night games can now be flexed weeks 13 to 17, as long as there are 15 days notice. So in theory, teams could have two Thursday night games in a season. Do you mm-hmm. think this is bad for the players and for the league? I think it's horrible. I think it's horrible for the players in the league. This is the one thing I say. This is the one benefit. So by week, let's say 14, 15, if you know, because Thursday night football, if you know you're playing a team that is absolute dog trash. So let's just say the Houston Texans don't get off the ground. You know, young quarterback, you know, rebuild. Uh, and you know you have the Houston Texans in week 14. Nothing against, no disrespect to the Houston Texans. And you know week 14 or week 15 you have the Houston Texans. But then week 16, you have the, let's just say, because the Detroit Lions are probably going to be good. You have the Detroit Lions next. Or let's even go with the Eagles. You know you have the Eagles next in week 16. I could see a coach strategically trying to figure that out late in the season. Like, you know what? We got the Texans, then the Eagles. Let's put the let's flex the Texans to Thursday night. One, because we're better than them. But that also gives us now Friday, Saturday, Sunday off to then have a Monday, Tuesday off. So I give my players five days off after playing the Houston Texans to then start our week on Wednesday to prepare for the Eagles. So I could see that happening. And that's the only reason I would see it a value. Other than that, I think it's dumb and it's not good for player safety. I don't know. That's just me, though, Sam. Yeah, I'm with you. Also, I just I'm not a fan of Thursday night football because it's harder to watch. I don't I don't have Prime normally, so I got to steal somebody else's Amazon Prime. I got to <laughs> log in on the the app on TV. There's just a couple extra steps there, and I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, it's harder to watch. Jeff Bezos, we don't steal your Prime. We 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 pay for it legally. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk Lakers Nuggets. Uh, the Lakers came out hot, led by 15 at halftime. And then the Nuggets storm back. They outscore mm-hmm. him by 20 in the third quarter. And Jokic hits the go-ahead shot. And then LeBron rejected at the buzzer. Nuggets win. They sweep. They go to the NBA Finals. Your thoughts? Yeah, it was tough to watch um, LeBron go down with the ship. Um, the one thing I will say, he did stay in the game the whole game. Uh, the first half, he didn't rest. Like, he didn't rest one minute in the first half. The funniest part of that game to me, honestly, was Tristan Thompson getting interviewed at halftime? Like, <laughs> the guy that's done nothing for this team, and you're going to interview him, really just because you want him to talk about Bron and his adoration and love for LeBron, which he did. He talked about how LeBron, you're not going to rest. We're going to call timeouts for you, big fella, but that's why you get paid all this money to go out here and win this game for us. In the first half, I think LeBron had like 30. He had like 30 in the first half. Like, he was on fire. He, was, he gave Dylan Brooks what Dylan Brooks had been looking for, which, give me 40. 
LeBron gave them 30 in the first half, 40 in the game, and that's where I think it stalled out. LeBron gave so much energy in that first half. He was he was running on fumes in the second half because they only have 10 points in the second half, uh, finishing with only 10 rebounds, finishing with only nine assists. He was one assist away from a 40-point triple-double in a playoff series and played all 48 minutes. That's crazy. That's 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 legendary. 48 minutes for LeBron James, the only person on the team to do it. Anthony Davis had to rest a little bit. Again, Tristan Thompson got to come in. Uh, Tristan Thompson, by the way, four points, one rebound on 10 minutes. I don't know if that's what they were looking for, but I know he was trying to do what he could do on Jokic, and he was just too small. Uh, but the, the Nuggets are a good team, as we said. I told you guys, if you're looking for a lock, bet on the Nuggets to win this series. And so there it is. What you got next, Sam? All right, last one. Tom Brady back in the news. He has bought an ownership stake in the Las Vegas Raiders. He's got a lot going on, Ron. He I does. mean, he's got the 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 Fox contract that starts next year with the color commentary. He's got the Hertz commercials. He's got the Raiders ownership now. What do you make of this next move for Tom Brady? So I'm wondering, wondering about the 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like. There has to be a, a conflict of interest for him. Like, if you're an owner of the Raiders and you're on TV covering the Raiders, like maybe, or maybe they'll say you can't do it. Uh, you can work on Fox, but we're not going to put you in a Raiders game. Because uh, there has to be a conflict of interest there. Like, how can you be the owner, but then be on TV commentating the entire game about your team? Uh, because you have to be honest and, and unbiased. And I think that's where it's going to get the, the waters are going to get muddied. And I don't know how much he's going to make on this ownership stake. But my guess is a ton. When we see these teams now selling for billions, I'm interested to see what the valuation was because we've all watched the, the sharks, Shark Tank, uh, the valuation of when you buy in versus the valuation when it sells. That's going to be the key for Tom Brady. But, you know, I, I, I like it. I like that a former player is doing that. I know one that, that doesn't get enough. John Stallworth, a lot of people don't know this. John Stallworth is a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and so that's one that doesn't get talked about enough or at all. Uh, so I love to see former players being able to do that because um, they created the game. They made the game what it is. You should let them, if they have the money, to buy in ownership and be a part of a team. Uh, not the Patriots, not the Bucks. He went to the Raiders. My guess is Las Vegas, a uh, new facility. And he can sell his uh, – he's going to come out with a Tom Brady avocado tequila, I'm pretty sure, and, and the Raiders are going to have it in their VIP. Uh, but I like the move. So, you know, I, I'm always a fan for, for players being able to, to – go to the next level because then you're going to open up for guys like Larry Fitzgerald, who's owner of the Suns. Maybe he's going to get part ownership in the Cardinals now. Like, I like it. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would assume that this is kind of an investment for him. I don't know if he's going to be active ownership, like making a lot of decisions. I'm, yeah, no, I I'm think just guessing. Money. I'm guessing he's going to be kind of hands-off. Maybe yeah, not. it's money. It's money. Yeah. John Stallworth is really hands-off with the Steelers as well. That was a huge investment for him, and he bought in. Like, I remember my dad told me about it. He bought in a long, long time ago when the Steelers probably were in a hundred of millions, you know, five, six, maybe eight hundred million. And I'm guessing the Steelers now are as well are in the two, three billion dollar range. Um, and so yeah, so so Starworth's investment, I don't know how much he put in, is well worth it now. Like he he's he's gonna, you know, when they sell or if he ever wants to sell his stake to somebody else. He's going to make a lot of money off of it because the valuation has gone up. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Extra. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Bernard Barian, man, love it. He was great. Uh, had a great show. Um, and also, question of the day, who is your Vikings kind of under-the-radar player that you think is going to make a big contribution this season? Let us know what you think. And remember, if you want updated, really high-level conversations about Vikings, 
uh, Twins, Timberwolves, just Minnesota sports in general. Make sure you subscribe. Subscribe to the Locked On Sports YouTube channel. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, iHeartMedia, Spotify, you can take us with you on the go, whether you're at the workout facility, you're on the treadmill, or you're just driving cross-country to your kids' sports. Either way, let us be with you on your drive. I'm Ron Johnson at Sam Mextrum. I want you guys have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.